Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, good morning to you and welcome to Valley Point Church. It is a joy to see you. And I want to say I love you, church, and I am excited about how we get to participate together in what God is doing right here. I also want to welcome you to White Napkin Sundays. We begin a brand new series today, and you should have received a napkin on your way in the door. We'll get to those in just a moment. I'm excited about White Napkin Sundays because we all have the chance to write down some words and to draw a few pictures that may help you know how to talk to other people, perhaps even with a napkin that you'll be able to write down some words and draw on that and talk to people about your church and about your faith. I find it interesting, and I, I read this recently, that some of the greatest business plans in the world were originally written on napkins in a restaurant. And that's true. I had somebody tell me in our first hour that they read a story about how one of the Toyota designs from a car was originally done on a napkin, and it went from there. So we're going to make full use of these napkins today. So please take those napkins out. Will you do that? And make sure that you have a pen. You're going to need that as well. In the seat back pocket in front of you is also a program. I would encourage you to take out that program. Be sure you are aware of the different events that are taking place at Valley Point Church. All right, today... Here's our big idea, and this is going to frame our conversation. And the big idea is this, live the map, okay? Live the map. And I'm going to take some time today to remind and to refresh Valley Point Church. Here we are, we're gathered. I want to remind and refresh us on how we need to be living the vision map that God has given to us. And we do that uniquely here at Valley Point Church by asking four critical questions. What, why, how, and when? What are we doing as a church? Why do we do that? How do we do that? And when do we know we're successful? When do we know we're winning? Because if we're going to spend our time doing all of this stuff and engaging in church activity... We want to be successful. And when do we know that's happening? We want to talk about that. So what, why, how, and when. Again, you've got your napkins, and we're going to write down some things and draw some things in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to talk to you about mission drift, because this kind of speaks into why I want to review this today. Because I think every organization, including churches, (laughs) maybe especially churches, have to watch out for drifting in their mission. And so today, I want to ring the bell a little bit and just say, here's what we're doing and why we do that and how and when we know we're winning. Mission drift. Here's the deal with mission drift. It's when an organization starts out by doing this. They're moving in this direction. They're running on this path and they're sold out to that, and they're excited, and this is what is making money, this is what is causing them to be successful, it's their product line, whatever you want to call it, they're just running this way, it's their mission, here's why we exist. 
And every organization, every church has to answer that question at some point. What are we doing? Why are we here? And mission drift is when an organization starts out doing this, and then over years and over time, they begin looking in other directions. And instead of running this path and moving in this direction, they start over here a little bit. And that's not necessarily bad. Sometimes tweaks and adjustments are needed, but they begin to turn away from the original mission. And now they're looking over here, or they may even end up walking in a whole new direction. And all of a sudden, they started out looking over here and moving in this direction, and here's our mission, and now they're way over here, and they have drifted far from what they were originally called to do or what they originally wanted to do. That's mission drift. And as we think about this, I want you to consider our church. You can think about your home which is also an organization, and our homes, our families sometimes drift in mission. You can think about where you work or your business or your school. There's a lot of applications for this. I will say to you, mission drift is a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. And when organizations begin to drift, they don't often survive that. They may still be able to function, but they may no longer be as effective. And so as a church, we're in great danger of mission drift. Instead of moving in this direction, all of a sudden saying, you know, maybe we should be way over here. And we lose our original purpose and our effectiveness. And so today, I want to be the irritant and say, we can't drift in our mission. We can't do that. I don't believe that's what God wants. It's not my heart's desire. And you're here on a Sunday morning. You're giving time to this. I don't think it's what you want either. It's not what God desires for Valley Point Church. And so we have to fight this and work against it. And every once in a while, you're going to hear me stand up and say, hey, let's review our vision map. And what are we doing? Why do we do that? How do we do it? And when do we know we're winning? I will say this is not going to be new information for a lot of you. You're like, oh, it's that day. Of course, and I know all of this stuff, and I've got it down. And you know what? If that's you, wonderful. We're going to remind ourselves again. we got to stay on this path. So that's the heart's cry. Now, some of you have never heard this before, or maybe it's very new to you. Wonderful. I'm glad that you're here. You've chosen a great Sunday to come because I believe you're going to get a wonderful picture, a great picture of what happens here at Valley Point Church. And I hope it's enough information for you that you'll unpack your bags and make this your faith home. So let's think about mission drift. In order to describe this, I want to read a parable to you. This is not a parable from Scripture, but it is what I would say one of my favorite stories outside of Scripture. I have read this at Valley Point Church five times now. It's the life-saving station parable. And I can see it in some of your eyes. Yay, the life-saving station parable. This is my sixth time I'm hearing it. Listen, it's a great parable. And once or twice a year, I'm just going to read it because it's a reminder to us about how we got to stay on mission and not drift. So if you're hearing this for the sixth time, enjoy it. If you're hearing it for the first time, 
enjoy it. If you've been here a long time and have never heard it, I don't know what that means, but just close your eyes for a moment, and I'm going to read the story. It's story time on Sunday morning at Valley Point Church. Here we go. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat, but the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. And with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night, tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station so that it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort for the support of its work. New boats were purchased and new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. Some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So here's what they did. They replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in an enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as sort of a club. Less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do the work. The mission of life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and some spoke a strange language. And the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal life pattern of the club. But some members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all the various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. They did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. They evolved into a club and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit the seacoast today, you'll find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. Only now, most of the people drown. Yay, inspiring story, isn't it? I think it's a great story. It's a great parable that describes mission drift. And again, we can't let that happen here at Valley Point Church. So here we are. This is the first time I've read that story in our new home. We have a beautiful building. It's furnished in a great way. It's comfortable. It's pleasant. And that could cause us to become very comfortable 
with what happens here on the inside. And so today, again, I want to be the irritant. I want to be the voice of a prophet and say, outside of here, outside of the walls of this place, are millions of people within proximity to this piece of property who desperately need to hear about a God who cares about them and has a purpose for their lives. And we need to be ready for that, and we need to do everything we can to keep making ourselves uncomfortable so that we walk out of here living as sent ones, that we walk out of here living on mission, ready to be that kind of life-saving station. So to continue the conversation, I want to look at one verse in John chapter 10 today, and then we're going to get to our napkins and talk about what, why, how, and when. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find John chapter 10. John is one of the Gospels in the New Testament. And what we find in chapter 10 is we're dropping into a conversation that Jesus is having with a group of followers. And he's talking to them. And so what we're going to read are the words of Jesus. Just one little sentence that is absolutely remarkable. And then we'll do a little word study on some of the uniqueness of these words here. So here's John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Again, the words of Jesus, he's saying the thief's purpose. Well, who's the thief? Well, the thief is Satan. It's the great enemy of God. And Jesus calls him a thief and he has a purpose. He has a mission that he is committed to and he will not drift from that mission. His mission is to steal and kill and destroy. But then Jesus says this, and it's, it's so beautiful and so to the heart of what we need to be thinking about as well. My purpose is to give them, to give people a rich and a satisfying life. Let's do some word studies here. The thief's purpose. Again, the thief is Satan, it's the great enemy of God. That word thief there comes from the Greek word kleptos, where we get the word klepto or kleptomaniac from. It is one who steals. So Satan's purpose is to klepto, to steal, and to kill. That's also what he's doing, and that's very strong language. It means to sacrifice, to slaughter or kill or butcher. So the great enemy of God is not just wandering around trying to cause a little bit of problems for us. He's not just running around causing some discomfort, no. The klepto's purpose is to personalize this now because this is what he wants to do to you, to your family, to your marriage, to your faith, to your love for God. He wants to sacrifice that, slaughter it, kill and butcher. It's not good. He's not a nice guy. So the thief's purpose, kleptos, is to steal and kill, to sacrifice, slaughter, kill and butcher, and to destroy. And that's very strong language, that word there. It means to destroy utterly. 
So again, not just to trip up and cause a problem, but the great enemy of God, he wants to wipe us out utterly. My purpose though, Jesus said, is to give them, and this means I want them to possess. I want people who love me and follow me and have trusted in me to hold on to this. And what is this? Well, I want to give them a rich and a satisfying life. The Greek phrase there is the word perisos, and it means I want to give them a super abundant or a superior kind of life. Okay? John 10.10, the great enemy of God. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take us out utterly. No survivors. But here's Jesus. He's saying, for those who have trusted in me, I want to give them a super abundant and a superior kind of life. Now, I share John 10.10 with you because... I have used that verse and our leadership here at Valley Point has looked at that verse and we have poured ourselves into that and have said, we want to use this. We want to look at this as a way to pursue the purposes that God has for us because as an organization and as a church, we want to live this superior kind of life. That's what we desire to have as a church. That's what God wants for you. That's what I want for you. This can happen to us, even though we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We can still have the superabundant or superior kind of life when we get on a discipleship path. And so we have taken John 10.10 and have designed a specific discipleship path here at Valley Point Church that points us to living this superior or super abundant kind of life, living out the purposes that God has for us. And that leads to this discussion about what are we doing? Why do we do that? How do we do it? And when do we know we're winning? So get your napkins out and let's write down a few things. Here's my napkin. How about that? A little larger than yours. So I want you to write down a couple of words on the one side. You're going to need both sides, by the way. So feel free to fill it up and have some fun. I want you to write down the word klepto. Greek word for thief. And that's Satan, our enemy. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do to you, to your faith, and to your family, to everything. But how about this word? I want you to write it down. And you can remember this. It could be a new password for you. Perry sauce. Jesus came to give this superior or this abundant kind of life. Now, for my Italian friends in the room, I know a lot of you don't like sauce. You prefer gravy. So if that's you, just go ahead and do this, okay? Perry gravy. Not a Greek word, okay? But if that's what you need to do in order to hang with the conversation, that's fine. Klepto, Satan, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came, perisos, superior, abundant kind of life. Now, that's John 10.10. In a nutshell, John 10.10, that's what it looks like, and that's what it means. So here's how we try to live out this superior or this abundant kind of life here at Valley Point Church. We ask the critical questions And I would encourage you to write this down. 
what, why, how, and when. By the way, I think these are great questions to ask of any organization. Your business or your family, what are we doing? Why do we do that? How do we do it? And when will we know we're winning? How do we actually measure that? Four critical questions that I think speak to John 10.10 and this superior kind of life that God wants us to live. So if you flip your napkin over to the other side now, let's just think about what are we doing as a church? What are we doing? Well, I'm going to write it down like this. We exist to point people to real relationships and real significance. So real and real. If you pull out your program and look at the front cover, you will see that it says real relationships and real relationships. That's a great example of copy and paste gone bad, all right? We haven't changed our mission. It is still real relationships and real significance, so we can laugh about that for these three weeks. We just want to be real. We want to be real. One of the desires that we have as a church is that everyone who walks through the doors of this place that they would know, if not immediately, if at some point in their journey, they would just come to understand uh, of their time here at Valley Point, that God desires to have a real relationship with them. That God loved us so much, the, the great love of God, that he loved us so much that he sprung into action and sent his son to live and die on our behalf and to rise again. And when we trust in him alone without adding anything to that, we can begin this superior kind of life, this real relationship with God. We want everybody who comes into this place to know whether you like God or whether you've had a bad experience with him, whatever that may look like, you can actually have a real and thriving and lasting relationship with him. By the way, you can also have a real relationship with other people, and that's important in life as well, to get high-quality people around us who can hold us up, who can laugh with us and cry with us and walk through all of the ups and downs that we experience in life. They can do that with us. We want people to know. You can have friends here. That can happen for you. So real relationships, real with God and real with other people. Real significance. We have one life. That's all we've been given. With that one life, we can do significant things that point people to a loving God and how they can enter into a real relationship with him. So what are we doing? Our whole church, we exist to point people to real relationships with God and with others. And we also want everybody to use the one life they've been given to do something significant. Now, why do we do that? Real relationships, real significance. There's a ton of other things we could pursue. Why do we zero in on real relationships and real significance? Well, it's because we value four things. And let's begin with our first value of truth. I'm going to draw a little Bible here because that's where we find the ultimate truth in Scripture. It's why when we come, we always take a little bit of time to say, what does God's word say to us? And let's find hope here. 
Let's find solutions here. Let's find answers to the complexities of life here. Let's let God use his living and holy word to convict and to challenge. And that's why we take time because we value truth. We stand on God's word. We also value people. One of the amazing things you discover in scripture is that God is crazy about people. Even people who offend him and walk away from him, God is always in pursuit of people. And so we say it this way at Valley Point, all people matter to God. All people matter to God. All people matter to God, right? Like if we could just get that, if we could dive into that and just let that overwhelm us every single day, I believe we, Valley Point Church, could absolutely change the communities around us and the world. If we just really lived with the reality that all people matter to God, even this individual who annoys me or who irritates me or bothers me or offends me, they matter deeply to God and he will go to great lengths to rescue them. All people matter to God, whether they look like us, smell like us, talk like us, whether they have our preferences or not, no matter what happens there, all people matter to God. And we say this around here quite a bit. We don't check people at the door. Like, are we standing there saying, you know, are, are you this or that? Do you think this way? Do you believe this? Are you this party or that party? You know, who cares? We just open the doors. And we do that because all people matter to God. And we're going to love people and we're going to give them Jesus. And I think Jesus can take care of the rest. So why are we doing our mission of pointing people to real relationships and real significance is because we value truth and we value people. We also value generosity here at Valley Point Church. And we encourage that. We try to provide ways for everybody to get really generous and to do that in extravagant ways. One of the things I've just started doing, it's a prayer that someone shared with me and it, it's a confession, really, that has a posture to it. And the confession is this. God, I confess to you that my natural posture when it comes to my stuff, it, it's this. It's my natural posture to hold, to bring it close to me, to keep, And so, God, what I want to do is have the kind of posture with my stuff that would honor you. And so instead of this type of posture, it's this. And we can do that when we understand that God owns everything. And who is it that gave me the ability to think and to sell and to invent and to work hard? Who gave me that ability? It's God. And so everything comes from him and everything is for him. And so my confession as I've been praying this is, God, help me 
to get away from this type of natural posture with my stuff because it's not really my stuff, it's yours. Help me to hold it with open hands and to share freely because you are a generous God. You are generous. And this is just a better way to live and it refreshes people. So we're trying to accomplish our mission this way with generosity. Truth, people, generosity, one more value. I'm going to write down the word valley. You don't have to write down that word yet. The truth here, the value is location. So I write down the word valley because I think that symbolizes the Delaware Valley, the Brandywine Valley, Garnet Valley, and other, any other valley you want to put into that. We love our location. And so I would encourage you to write down your school, write down your workplace, write down your neighborhood, your city, whatever you want to put there. Because one of the things we're trying to communicate as a church, and, and you need to know this, is that we love our locations And we seek to be a joyous presence where we live, work, and play. Just imagine if all of us, where we live, work, and play, that we were a joyous presence. Like, that would be amazing. There's a lot of grumpy people in the world, right? Like, let's, let's not be grumpy. Don't be grumpy, all right? Don't do it. Some of you look a little grumpy right now. Smile a little bit, and let's just love our locations where we live, work, and play. Let's seek to be a joyous presence because I think that wins us the opportunity maybe to open up a napkin and say, let me talk to you a little bit about my church. Let me talk to you about my faith and what God is doing and I'll draw it out this way. All right, that's why. Why do we do those things? It's because we value truth, people, generosity, and location. Now, how do we do all of that here at Valley Point Church? Many of you know this. It's three key words. We worship This is where we grow our relationship with God. We connect. This is where we grow our relationships with each other. And we go. This is where we have the opportunity to do significant things. So when you think about Valley Point Church, we try to keep it really simple here. This is a lot of words and stuff, but we pour all of our time, our effort, our creativity, our financing into these three areas. We worship That's happening right now, responding to the greatness of God. It's how we grow our relationship with him. We connect. We encourage you to get into groups and to get into serving teams, link arms with other people, have these types of relationships that can support you. And then we encourage everybody to go. By the way, you're going to have an opportunity here as you leave to do just that. We feed the middle school, the Garnet Valley Middle School, We've been doing that for eight or nine years now. It's one of the great joys. You know, we met there for 12 years, and so we started feeding them once a year, and inevitably, the teachers throughout the year, when they see me, they're like, you you guys doing that lunch again? Are you doing that this year? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're doing that this year. Well, when we moved here, they were really tipped over. Like, we're we're not going to get our lunch, because you guys don't live here anymore. And I'm like, "We're, we're coming back. We're coming back. And so as you leave, you're going to have the chance to go, and help us provide a wonderful meal for them coming in May. This is just one of the ways we get people to go. We take trips in different places around the world because we want people to do significant things. So worship, connect, and go. Okay, we have to ask this question now. It's, it's, it's the last one. And I'm just going to write that word down here, when. If I do all that stuff, 
Seems like a lot of work. When do we know we're winning? Well, I want to talk to you about that because whenever you see these signs or these things happening in your life, I think you can confidently get before God, remain humble, but say, God, I think I'm worshiping. I think I'm connecting. I think I am living out the purposes that you have for me. And you can know with confidence that you are winning when it comes to this discipleship path. So here we go. How do we know when we're winning? Well, it sounds like this. It's when worship is a lifestyle. I will respond to the greatness of God who saved me by grace through his son, Jesus. Here's the action step. I will spend at least one period of the week listening to God through his word and one period learning about his son, Jesus, in community with others. One period of the week listening to God through his word. That's happening right now. Yay, everybody's winning this morning. You're starting your week out on the right path. You're winning by by putting yourself under the authority of God's word. That's a beautiful thing, and you need to keep doing that. I would also encourage you to pursue a period of learning about his son Jesus in community with others. Find somebody else to study God's word with. Get into a small group where you can sharpen each other. And when you find yourself doing that, no, it's not, I'm just going to a group. This is like a, a really annoying thing to do that's going to take another hour and a half of my week. No, it means worship is becoming a lifestyle for you and enjoy that and know why I'm doing this. You're responding to the greatness of God who saved you by grace through his son, Jesus. It's when worship is a lifestyle. Whenever you see that, celebrate it. How about this one? It's when connect is a priority, which means this. I will selflessly build relationships because everyone matters. Here's the action step. I will choose to regularly engage. And here's some practical ways. Hospitality a meal, a conversation, a prayer, right? These are all ways. This is not hard. These are all ways that we can selflessly build relationships with other people. When we invite them into our home, when we share a meal, when we converse, when we pray with people inside and outside the church in order to grow my relationships with others. I would encourage you to pursue that. And every time you share a meal, every time you open your home, every time you have a conversation that's about the other person and not about you, every time you pray with someone because they're walking through a difficult time, know that you're connecting. And hopefully that's happening inside and outside the church. When you see that happening in your life, celebrate. You're winning. You're winning. Finally, it's when go is a passion which means this, I will leave a legacy through my time, my talents, and my resources by living as one sent. And here's the action step. I will selflessly serve inside and outside the church in order to live the gospel. Remember, the gospel is the good news. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and when I trust in him, I can have this real relationship with God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. So I will selflessly serve inside and outside the church in order to live out the gospel, that good news, and do this, and surprise and delight others 
through a passionate, outward-focused faith community, which that's our mission, to not just enjoy a comfortable life-saving station that has been nicely decorated. Thank God for that. It's a good thing. But we've got to constantly irritate ourselves a little bit and get out of here and selflessly serve in here and out of here to live the gospel and surprise and delight others through this passionate, outward-focused faith community. This is the when of Valley Point Church. And when you see yourself doing that, know you're winning. Celebrate that. Stay humble before God, but celebrate. Which takes us back to John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Klepto. My purpose, the purpose of Jesus, Perry sauce, it is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. I've got one takeaway for you. It's the same phrase as the big idea. Live the map. Live the map, okay, church? Will you join me in doing that? Let's constantly remind ourselves, what are we doing? Why do we do that? How do we accomplish that? And let's live in that lane of when we know we're winning, when worship is a lifestyle, when connect is a priority, and when go is a passion, and when we see this happening, we are on a great pathway for discipleship. So let's live the map. Let's live the map. Let's not drift in our mission. Let's stay focused because outside of here are people who desperately need us to live that kind of life. Father, we come to you and we're just thankful for an opportunity to review the map. God, I I pray that you'd help me to live the map. God, it's not easy. We do this in imperfect ways. We are not a perfect church. I am not a perfect leader. I disappoint. The church disappoints. But yet here we are trying to ring this bell again and rally around the map to say outside of this life-saving station are people who desperately need us to live as sent ones So God, I just pray that you'd help each and every one of us now to say, okay, I'm gonna do my best starting today to live the map. And God, I pray in the process that that you would use Valley Point Church to be a bright light. God, would you help us to do that? Would you help us? We need you in order to have the kind of impact that you want us to have. So help us to stay humble. God, help us to love people, all people. Help us to run to the fringes to find the marginalized, the broken, the hurting, 
the addicted and love them the way you love them. Help us to inconvenience ourselves. Help us not to hold on, but help us to freely give. God, I also confess to you this morning, often my natural posture is to fold my arms and become a spectator, a skeptic, a critic, arms folded. Sometimes our churches do that as well. And we think about those who aren't here yet. So God, would you help us to just open our arms and say, God, use me, use us, use Valley Point Church to be that kind of bright light that speaks a rescuing message of what God can do. God, help us to live the map now, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.